21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our Run Your Life podcast series. Uh, I'm recording live at Manhattan Bar and Grill with my partner and best friend, Neela Steele. Uh, for those of you that listened to the fourth episode, we recorded last Sunday. And there was a lot of uncertainty in our lives last Sunday because we were completely... Um, it was unknown when we were going to leave China, what was going to happen, when we were going to get our work visas um, to move on. Uh, we're moving on to new jobs at a school in Saudi Arabia. Um, so it's been a quite stressful last month waiting uh, for these work visas to come through. They came through yesterday, the movers came today, they packed up all of our belongings that we're taking to Saudi Arabia, um, and which is going to travel by sea over the next few months and will meet us there sometime in October, but um, this will be our last recording of Four Times Mindfulness in Nanjing, China. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to Neela Steele. She's going to say a few words before I go into my first seat of mindfulness for the week. Neela Steele. At, at this point, just listening to you say that we're saying goodbye to five years of our lives in Nanjing, um, I'm just feeling emotionally drained. Uh, all the uncertainty, the incredible amount of stress, trying to put it all into perspective. Uh, I, I I feel drained, but it's all unfolding as it should. So one of the virtues that I do not possess and have to practice on a daily basis, and my family would easily agree, my brothers and sisters, that I do not possess the ability to be patient. But I've, I've definitely made You've an You've been wonderful. I've tried, yes, hopefully. So... Uh, Anything else to add about no, our last five I, years I mean, here? I, or? This... Well, I actually wanted to talk about more about this podcast because I love this little labor of love that you convinced me to try and test out. And so it's sort of our little project and I'm really enjoying it because we've been receiving such feedback. Um, just this week I received feedback from Nina who, who did a great job of coloring my hair and styling it and she's a member of the NIS community and she's a beautiful German woman and I hope that she's listening because she is a ray of sunshine and, and the reason I'm talking about the podcast is because whenever I start reading something or listening to another podcast or looking at life in a different way I think oh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna grab that keep it and and use it for the podcast so I thank you for but letting I, me yeah, yeah. I, I also think the same thing is that when I first proposed the idea of four times mindfulness to you it was going back to like we all, always have these great conversations um, and going back to the idea of we we have no way to document these ideas and there'd be, you know, 
over the last week, if I go for a run or whatever, I'm listening to podcasts. Uh, in general, I'm much more tuned into like I really want to learn a couple things to share for our weekly podcast. It so ma- it makes your it makes your reading and your listening a lot more focused because you think that this is purposeful and this is great to share with others. So and I got feedback today. So you just spoke about Nina. Um, uh, I got feedback from my good friend Andy Hare this week from Geelong, Australia, um, where he just said that he likes that what we're sharing, there's, there's uh, immediate, applicable, takeaway value, and you don't have to be a teacher. You can, it doesn't matter, you know, what you do, there's, there's value, and I think that in our lives, we always have to strive to find value, regardless of what we do. So, for, for me, this is you know it's motivating to try to find two things each week to really want to share with anybody who's interested in listening. Absolutely. Yeah. So, shall we begin? What's your first seat of mindfulness? My first seat of mindfulness is the impermanence of relationships. And no, <laughs> we'll, we'll be very permanent, but then one day it's impermanent, right? But um, the idea that uh, you know, when you go through, when you grow up, you know, you have your childhood friends, and then you go to high school, and you meet new people, and then you have your university friends, and then you become a big person and get a job, and then you make babies, and then. You have a house and a family. You're making it sound so sad. No, it's it's wonderful. Okay, good. Regardless of what you're doing in life, that nice. whole experience I just described in a snippet is a wonderful experience. Um, but we can sometimes get too focused or believe that we only have like four true friends in our lives. Mm-hmm. I've got my friend from you know yeah. that I went to elementary school with. I've got one friend from high school and two friends from university that I really connect with and no matter what I know that they're always going to be there and those are the ones those are the ones that are my go-to people for the rest of my life I have people like that I spoke of Jeff Carson last week I've, I've got I've got so many dear friends from sport from American football that will be there for me forever However, what I think happens sometimes is that when we get too focused on believing that those are the only friends that we're ever going to have in life and nobody else will ever come close to comparing to them, I think we negate the opportunities to meet beautiful, wonderful, new people. So the I want to give a, a shout-out right now. Um, to somebody who I just met over the last, I would say, six months, and his name is Mike Kuzala. Mike Kuzala is a author. He's a consultant. He um, embraces mindfulness, um, and we connected through another social media friend, uh, Jorge Rodriguez from Houston, Texas. Um, so essentially I belong to a physical education network of lots of teachers worldwide on social media and um, Jorge and I had connected and Jorge had connected with with Mike and uh, Jorge has his own podcast and he had Mike on his podcast and he had me on his podcast 
and then Mike and I, Mike Kuzal and I, were both uh, uh, speakers and presenters at a conference in the Philippines. Jorge made the connection and then introduced us on social media. So I started to talk to Mike on, on Twitter, uh, direct messages, so private conversations with, with Jorge. And the first time Mike and I met uh, was face-to-face in the Philippines at the conference. We spent a couple days together walking around, checking out Manila, Philippines. We recorded another podcast there. I've had Mike on my own podcast since. But um, what we found was um, we had a real strong connection through mindfulness Mm -hmm. and through meditation and through just believing in the same things about uh, what is what is best for young people you know and it's that idea of just giving every single young person the opportunity to find themselves spiritually mentally emotionally physically uh in particular uh, in particularly specifically our connection through through physical activity is to to help young people to find a love of physical activity so mike and i have all of these common threads running through our mm-hmm. lives mm-hmm. and both Mike and I were very open to that experience and and I allowed myself to be absorbed in this new friendship and now Mike and I talk all the time on on Voxer we talk uh, we communicate um, through Twitter and and Facebook messages and stuff but I've opened myself up to that and I've understood that um, even though I might not see Mike in person he's not a guy around the corner I can go to his house and have barbecues with I have still connected with him because I have been completely open to the idea of um, embracing new relationships. And the I go back to the impermanence of relationships is that um, the, the idea that we sometimes, it's not that we have to let go of old relationships, but you know, your, your core friendships that you have developed over the years will always be there. And you might not talk to people for years and years, but it really is about embracing every opportunity possible to to make connections with new people who can make a difference in your life. And Mike Kuzala is that person. So, But I understand that that's impermanent within itself. So I return back to the impermanence of relationships in our lives. And as we leave Nanjing, it's manifested in many ways because we have said goodbye to many good mm-hmm. friends here that we might never see again but we'll always be connected so we have to be open to understanding that relationships are impermanent and we have to embrace them and take what we can from them um, in the moment and appreciate what they have to offer listening to you I think that there definitely are certain seasons for for friendships and you have the ability to be open and receptive to new relationships where I'm going to think back to the past where I've heard um, you know acquaintances or even friends of mine say you know I have friends I have my enough friends and I don't need any more and sometimes it's it's you can't you can't give of yourself and create new relationships when your priority is your family or your downtime 
And I'm not saying that you say no to new relationships, but I think you and I have learned over the course of our adventures that it's really the intensity that you choose to be open and receptive to new relationships. And it's been such a beautiful thing when it does happen because you learn so much about other people and by learning about them, you also learn about yourself. And it's, 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 uh, it, it can't be sort of blitzed. I mean, as much as you want and you think that we have such a short time to meet people, I think that there's a certain period and transition that you have to go through before you can get to know people on a deeper level. I think you have to be open to it. And I, that idea that if you're not open to it, then you can't be your best self, you know? And if you're authentic and you're your best self, then you will connect with the people that matter in your life. And when you don't connect, I think the impermanence of relationships, again, it's easier to understand that oh, I just don't connect with that person and you move on. But you learn a lot from people that you don't connect with. Yes. You learn a lot. I gravitate, of course, I gravitate towards all the people who have the same sort of beliefs that I do. I meet people through yoga and through running and through the love of food and socializing or books. But if you are open and receptive to listening to someone who doesn't have the same views or having a friend that is sort of your critical friend, you know that friend who kind of says initially you don't really agree with what they're saying but then you walk away and you start thinking about it a little bit more and you start thinking from a different angle or you pivot in your mindset and you think hmm, actually what does what does this mean what what is their view and you become just a little more open to different ideas instead of that that narrow-minded I only like people who like the same things that I like yeah so that's what I wanted to share the impermanence of relationships and um, always being open to meeting new people and I think that's been that has served me well and I'm really fortunate to have met Mike Kuzala so now it's on to Neela Steele's second seed of mindfulness I'm going to sort of turn or pivot towards something else and it relates to the physically and mentally moving house uh, for the last pretty much the last six months we've been decluttering and somebody that I refer to is uh, Mari Kondo who is a Japanese uh, consultant she uh, if you are interested her website is konmari.com and that's k-o-n-m-a-r-i dot c-o-m and she's a Japanese organizing consultant and so as Andy said earlier in the podcast that we've had to have everything that we own in China packed up and sent to Saudi Arabia by ship and I want to talk about this idea of non-attachment and the Sanskrit word for that is apahigraha which is one of the five yamas in yoga and basically those are guidelines or guideposts exactly yeah. the kind of do's and don'ts 
or virtues that you want to sort of practice and it's non-greed and non-hoarding and I believe that since we've been moving around the world we've really sort of by default been practicing that because we have to pay for the shipping that uh, all of our items that we have we need to send to other places so so many times uh, we've had to declutter and say does this item really spark joy does this item really require us to pay money probably double what it's worth to be sent across the seas and with non-attachment you know all these possessions these material goods Andy today we had this conversation I wanted a little red chair this little wooden red chair that I wanted to send which didn't make it into the shipment <laughs> one did we had a pair <laughs> we had two so they're no longer a pair so I got a single red chair and Andy wanted your kebab maker his kebab maker that, that is massive that yes no I know that lots of people anyways that didn't make it in and so uh, as I as I talk about Marie Kondo, she has this little criteria where she says, "Does this item spark joy? And is this item helping you to live in sort of a joyful way? Is it is it a pair of jeans that you'll never really fit back into, or is it uh, something that's just?" It, it, you know, basically just does it spark joy? And she says, if it doesn't, toss it, throw it away. You know, we accumulate so much junk. Oh, so true. Uh, I'm not even going to go into the number of t shirts that Andy uh, donated. Uh, I think I could have made at least five t-shirt quilts out of the amount of t-shirts he had but anyways it's just sort of a question of like how much we consume how much we want how much i was just saying to andy earlier before the podcast like how many pairs of yoga pants do i need and they're all the same pattern or they're all, they're all the same color so that's another intention this summer when i go home to canada and i say home is just kind of curb the the spending and the the accumulation and the hoarding spending, yeah. of, of all these items. Okay, so my my decluttering point, apahigraha in Sanskrit, is just looking at the items that you have in your house and sort of decluttering and check out Mari Kondo at konmari.com. She's has several books. Uh, she's a great consultant. Apparently, she has a three to four month um, waiting list. But she just kind of challenges you to ask yourself whether each object that you have brings you joy. And if it doesn't, toss it. Get and rid of it. And what do you do when you get rid of it? Do you are you grateful for it? You, or? Oh, she has another ritual where you take that item, whatever it may be, and you sort of tap it or you touch it and you just say... Thank you for all the past times you provided me with some joy and some spark. And I know it sounds kind of hokey, but it is uh, a 
a practice that you can just test out and I mean uh, last year we had to say goodbye to the house that I grew up in and it still is a little pain in my heart because so many memories so many narratives in that house on Bow Beaches in Mississauga, Ontario and I really regret the fact that in in all the hustle and bustle of having to leave the house and and uh, we were pretty much running out because we had to fly and catch a flight back to China. Andy took a moment and he told me later on, but he took a moment and he went through the house and he went through every room and touched the walls and said, thank you for all the joy that you brought us. So, so non-attachment. And the other thing on the, on the flip side, we have a good friend, Tasha Kaudi, who we met in Baku, Azerbaijan. And uh, she had a beautiful collection of rugs and art pieces. Beautiful apartment. And, and stunning items that she'd collected. She's also an international teacher. I'm not sure where she currently is. She's but in Moscow. She's in Moscow. Tasha Kaudi had this beautiful collection. And it was being shipped to her current location. And that ship sank. Imagine all your material. I'm not... Tasha, we're gonna so, we're gonna tag you on this, and we're we're gonna we want you to listen to this. But you handled that so well. You know, so that's another example of non-attachment and 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 being mindful of the things we have in our lives are certainly sparking joy, but but that we can survive without them. And I thought about that idea of. Um, of Sorry about the the horn of the car passing by Manhattan Bar and Grill, but um, the idea of having a ritual to say goodbye allowed me. Plus Tasha's story of like having all this beautiful artwork and furniture and the 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 ship that was. She had gorgeous rugs oh, it was and an amazing. art pieces. And when it sank, it's like all of everything in her heart that was, she was so connected with sank. And I don't know if she recovered anything, but it was a, a big blow to her. I remember speaking. So saying goodbye to all those those T-shirts, that was not easy for me. But I reflected on that. I, I went through this ritual and... I actually said goodbye to a lot of t-shirts that I love dearly, but I knew, I knew that I hadn't worn them for years. So even though I love them, right. I set them free. So that idea of, of in, impermanence is important, you know, and, and just letting go of things. So that that's great. And, and that is, again, who is the... I know you said it once already, but... Uh, so the website is konmari.com. It's K-O-N-M-A-R-I dot C-O-M. And um, she's a Japanese organizing consultant. Excellent. How about you there, Mr. Andy Vesley? So my third seat of, of mindfulness... Um, was really interesting. It's uh, from the Tim Ferriss podcast. I was running this week. I was uh, running in the heat and humidity. It was so hot here. You you took a big what do you call it? A what do you call the sack you wear with water and you a camelback. Yeah, camelback the whole week. I mean, it was excruciatingly hot and humid. But I went for a long, slow run and I listened to a Tim Ferriss podcast and 
Uh, he had on Ryan Halliday, his name is, and what Ryan did was um, Ryan talked about um, the idea of uh, actually it was just a narrative. So he didn't; it wasn't an interview. Ryan just went on the show and just read a narrative that he had written uh, about the idea of. Um, it was actually specifically rooted in fine canvases for other people to paint on. And it's a metaphor. And, and what it's about is that in your life, you need to be of service to others. And ultimately, if you are of service to others, your job is specifically to clear the path for others to, to flourish on. So you clear the obstacles and you allow people to flourish uh, by clearing the path. Uh, so the idea is that you give them the canvas and then they paint whatever picture they want on it. And it's, it's an approach that's been taken in, in sports and business and education. But that idea of focusing on people's strengths, you know, and, and really f focusing on people's strengths. Sorry, it's getting a little noisy here. I'm not going to rush through this. It'll get a little quiet, but... Uh, but to, to focus on people's strengths and to place others before yourself. And it's that idea that the ego is the enemy. And when we, when we get caught up in our own ego and what we want and what we need and, and what we think is best, we lose the ability to place others before ourselves. And mindfulness forces us to be present and to listen to others. And one of my greatest joys in the world with consulting is to truly listen to teachers and what it is that, that where they're at and what they need. And, and I love listening and then just asking questions and, and being there for them. Right. So I just want to address, you said that mindfulness forces us um, to be what was it that you to said? To listen. Yes. And I don't think it forces us. I think that we make a conscious choice to be more present, to listen more, to not interrupt, and to just seek to understand the person and what they are saying without reloading and getting excited about the story that we are going to tell. So that, by just knowing that, you sort of take a breath and you say, okay, I'm I'm here and I'm just listening. So I, I sort of disagreed with the forcing me to do that. I think that because we make that intention that we do it more. I like think a you're right. I used the wrong word there. And I think um, that idea, since mindfulness has played a bigger part of my life, I feel pressured to set intentions to be better better a listener, listener. Yeah, so force is the wrong word but but i think that idea that that you set these intentions and and it's very difficult sometimes because you do want to jump in and say what you think and tell a story and of then, course uh, whatever That's, it is but so yes yeah absolutely so anyways that was um, my third seat of mindfulness um finding canvases for other people to paint their beauty on. And you know who that reminds me of? Who? Marina Geisen. Marina Geisen. 
We could so do a whole out. podcast. We, we will. We could do a we whole. Will. We will do a podcast. We will four times mindfulness. and devoted to Marina guys. Okay, so Neela Steele, you're gonna wrap up uh, our last show in Nanjing, China. So, decluttering. Um, as a as a declutterer, I'm also a great procrastinator, and one of the things we had to do was go through our books, our precious books. And one of the books I found that I loved that I read a long time ago was The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Do you know this book? The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Absolutely. I, I know the book and the movie, but you reminded me last night about it, and, and now it's very much, very much on my mind, and I can, I can see it vividly. This is an incredible memoir, and this book is about Jean-Dominique Bobby who was the editor-in-chief of French L magazine. So he is this incredibly charismatic guy. And at the age of 44, he suffered a very bizarre stroke. And um, he was in a stroke for 20 days. Yeah, in a me. coma. Yeah. yeah, he was in a coma for 20 days. And then he awakes to find that his head to toe is no longer working. He's left only with his left eye. He's able to blink his left eye. Only? Yes. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because as I was going through the books and decluttering which ones we want, which ones we don't want, I kept this book because the story is incredible and fascinating and intriguing. He is in a coma for 20 days and he has all these fleeting moments where he remembers, he remembers loaded with all the, the senses packed in, all the items. He, he's 44, he is with his partner, he has two young kids and he is rendered an invalid who can only receive meals through an IV, intravenous fed. And in the movie, the book, which he wrote with his left eye, his, uh, I think it's credited his um, speech therapist. How did he write it with his left eye? Can you explain that? He was he was asked the alphabet and he would blink the amount of times for the letter that he wanted with his left eye so painstakingly he went through this process and he wrote this book if you haven't read it and you want to read it it's called the diving bell and the butterfly and the reason it's called the diving bell and the butterfly is because his body represents the diving bell sinking to the depths of the ocean but the butterfly represents his mind and his imagination, how he is free to remember the food he ate in the past, pre-stroke. So he tries to recall all the senses, all the tastes, all the sensual pleasure of eating. And the reason, again, that I thought of this book, because I was um, listening to another podcast, I think it was the CBC podcast, can't remember the title right now but it's all about love and the relationships that we have and it 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 brought me to another word a Brazilian Portuguese word that is called cafune and cafune means 
and cannot be translated into English, but it's that art of running your fingertips through. Liked when you just did that to me. <laughs> She's you, doing it actually. You, you run your fingertips through the hair of someone that you love or anybody that you tenderly love. And in his book, he remembers that point where he could ruffle his son's hair with his hands. And the reason that I'm mentioning this is because really linger in those moments, really try to cultivate a sort of presence in those moments because you don't know. You don't know when it's going to be your last meal. And as um, Nora Ephron says, don't waste it on a tuna melt. You don't know that your last meal is, is going to be your last meal, or maybe you're due, or maybe you're too sick to enjoy your last meal. So when you start to think of the duality of if this were taken away from me, how would I feel? And so this incredible memoir of Jean-Dominique Bobby is such a beautiful, it's such a mindful book, really, because he he draws in all the senses of all his imagination, all his pre-experiences, pre-stroke, and he lives in his mind, which is represented by the butterfly, where he can just float away and remember those beautiful and gorgeous moments that he had. And But that's uh, impossible if you're not truly present and appreciating exactly. those moments. And it's hard to sustain, but I mean if you can if you can just cultivate little little driplets or droplets of of those moments in your life, then you can sort of go to bed and reflect and say, I really remember caressing my son's hair. I really remember listening to my son. One of the things that I know I can be better at is listening to my boys when they are curious and they have a gazillion questions and trying to answer them in a tone that reflects love, not impatience. Yeah. So a, a great read. I think it was in 1995 that the story was told, but the book was written, I, I can't be sure, but maybe 2007 or 2008. And, and to know that this man wrote the book by just blinking his left eye. That's amazing. So that is our Well, I, you know what? I, I spent today on the, on the couch when the movers were in the house. Um, <laughs> I spent the day on the couch when the movers I, I, were in on, the on, house. On the second floor <laughs> as the movers were boxing stuff up. And, and um, now for those of people that are listening we're saying goodbye to our beautiful dog oh and the reason being because we were told that uh okay well it's a long story but, yeah, but, but the story begins very in a nutshell the story begins like four years ago there was a little street dog outside our house she was a puppy and she loved ty our youngest boy and she wouldn't come near any of us but she went to ty and ty played with her and then it turns out that our neighbors, our Chinese neighbors, took her in, but just basically left her food outside their house. So then the dog came to us, and uh, we ended up um, adopting, her. adopting her. And she's been our dog for four years. And we found another family to adopt her. Yeah, so she's, you know, we found another family. But 
going back to savoring those moments, I held coffee in my arms for two hours pets, today. Pets, and I just dogs, had her and I was like, oh my God, I can't bring you to Saudi Arabia. I know she's going to be in great hands. But, but dog, I want to interrupt and say that dogs or pets or anything, um, even, even goldfish, have an ability for you to really drop into the moment. Dogs, cats, whatever. And they remember pet, you, of course. You know. Right? So, but I had that moment where I was really appreciating uh, her. So, anyways, let's do a let's, little summary. Let's do a summary. So, the the first one was the impermanence of relationships and and not thinking that your seven core friendships that you've had since being born are the only ones you're ever going to have in your life. Be open to new friendships and new relationships because every one of those will bring new learning and meaning in your life. Number two. Decluttering material goods that do not bring you joy anymore and spreading it out to not only that, but decluttering in your mind thoughts that do not serve you, things in your life that do not serve you. What in your life sparks joy? Keep those things, toss the rest. Num uh, the third one was the idea of giving other people canvases to um, paint their, their pictures on, whatever their pictures are. And that's a metaphor for clearing obstacles for others to succeed in life. And the idea that the ego is the enemy and be lesser, do more for others. And I think mindfulness is rooted in that. And number four. Was the book, The um, Diving Bell and the Butterfly, an incredible memoir by uh, Jean-Dominique Bobby, who really drops into all the senses and all the memories that you're creating in your life to really live in that moment. So we're going to wrap up our fifth installment of four times mindfulness our last um, and final installment in, in nanjing china yeah and we're definitely recording number six in toronto next week so i'm really looking forward to that but we're in the now we're in the now but <laughs> the next one will be at a park in toronto or something we don't know but thanks for listening and uh we really appreciate you tuning in thank you and for the last time shishini bye-bye Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassett. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.